everybody. Perfect. Thank you. This week on the Transatlantic Rebels podcast, we are going to be... To- Actually, should I be whispering right now? We're going to be talking about... That wouldn't make for very good podcasting. We're going to be talking about a film called A Quiet Place. The irony of which uh, will not be lost on you when you hear my neighbour shouting because he's watching the football right now. So uh, don't worry, he'll be the first to die if aliens get into our area. It's a horror film and it was just released last week, so we're in 2018, in April, and it stars Emily Blunt and her real-life husband, uh, John Krasinski, and he also directed it. So they, they play a married couple in the film, and in real life they're married, and he also directs it. And, um, and, co- and co-wrote it. Oh, and co-wrote it, okay. And uh, it's a horror film. It's a pretty straight and simple horror film although they're at the core of it it's all about kind of family and stuff but really yeah it's a horror film and i mean rochard do you want to kind of explain in a spoiler-free way what the kind of main crux of this is what the kind of you know what the the what do you call it the usp of this film is it basically starts off i think like uh 86 86 or 89 days into an alien invasion that the audience doesn't know anything about they have no clue how it happened what happened all you just pretty much know is that there's a family of um of five that kind of have a tragic situation happen at the beginning of the movie and then days later they're still trying to recover from that tragedy and uh pretty much the story is it's not really a plot oriented story it's more like a mood oriented story but pretty much those those family members trying to survive not trying to make too many mistakes about these aliens that that they can't see but they can hear what you're doing and if they hear what you're doing you're dead within maybe like 10 or 15 seconds if you're not prepared for it yeah exactly and so the the knock-on effect of that is that i mean uh, almost all the film is extremely quiet Um, i mean there is background music in the film but effectively when the the family are communicating with one another they're using sign language uh, because the daughter is deaf and um or they're just whispering or they're just not talking at all basically so um they just have like a series of cues and stuff like that and and it kind of explores what what would happen in a world where you've got these aliens who just have like unbelievable hearing and um you just have to completely be quiet like as much of the time as possible and the knock on effect like i said is that you know well the cinema is definitely quiet at, at at times in a way that you will not experience probably ever having been to the cinema um i mean rashad what was the cinema like like how full was it or whatever what was the atmosphere like what were people how were people reacting well i went early in the morning so it was like relatively full for like a like a morning on a sunday morning 
Um, the only thing that happened was we had the kind of seats that made those sounds. And the only sound that happened in the whole entire movie was when somebody had to go to the bathroom. And all you hear was, and everybody was looking at that person. And that person trying to hurry up and get out to the place to go to there. That was about the only sound that everybody that anybody had during that movie at that point. And then I think when the person came back, I think they didn't fix the recliner back again after that. Or either that, or they probably waited to a moment where um, there was like some sound or dialogue going on, which is like minimal. Yeah, this is what annoys me about. I mean, it, it generally annoys me in films anyway. Like, I, I mean, I think when I was watching Ready Player One, I was sat next to someone, and you know that that's kind of split between dialogue and huge action scenes. I was like, dude, eat your popcorn in the action scenes. You know, it, that, it's like a popcorn film. That's the point. But people just eat their popcorn in the silent bits, and I'm just like, oh, so annoying. Uh, Luckily, when I went to A Quiet Place, um, I managed to pick a time of day, and uh, it was a weekday as well, where um, it, there was just hardly anyone there. I was probably one of maybe 12 people. I mean, there might have been 15. That was it. So uh, there was just one dude who was rustling his popcorn, and his girlfriend kept hitting him, basically. So it, it worked out really well. Like It was it was a very, very quiet screening. And uh, so I definitely got the effect from that, which was perfect for me, for the way that I like to enjoy it. Uh, but but it's just interesting reading reviews. Like it, there, there's so many kind of little tidbits and articles saying that the audience members are literally afraid to eat their popcorn because of you know, being shouted at or like glared at by other audience members. I just love it. I think it's brilliant. Um, okay, I tell you what we're going to do is uh, after that we're going to get into the spoilers after this brief musical interlude. So uh, that was the spoiler-free section, and get ready. <laughs> Okay, so we're back, and now we're going into spoilers. So, um, I mean, there's there's a few things. Uh, you mentioned that Gron- John Krasinski, he... Um, it's funny, because I, I haven't actually seen that many things that he's in. Like, he's always been, like, an ancillary character and things like that. I've not watched The American Office. So, <sighs> yeah. Do you know what? You don't get it here. It's literally not on Netflix, not on Amazon Prime. Wow. Yeah, it's really... I mean... I don't know if at the time they showed it on TV even. Um, I can't remember, to be honest. But like, Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah, is it, is, it, is, there a, is a big part of that is like, it, there was a joke that they were on uh, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski was on Graham Norton's show. And it was kind of, and John Krasinski was making kind of a joke about how like some people will like mock the, like some British people will mock the American office as being like lesser than the, the uh, British office or something like that. I don't know if he was doing that. It seemed like he was doing that tongue in cheek, but I don't know if is that true or not. Do people even like consider the... I, or it just doesn't, or or it just never came over there for you guys to even have an opinion about it. No, I think for a long time that was definitely the narrative. It was because I think from from what I know, um, the first two seasons they just basically did like for like, didn't they? Um, to to what the British office was. That's what I heard. Um, and then after that, it developed into its own thing for many more seasons. And I think that's when people start to respect it and say, okay, fine, this is actually you know it's, it's gone places. Obviously, the first one couldn't have done. Um, but I mean. Like, I think a lot of people have watched it and stuff, but it's just nowhere to be found. And like, you know, I, I'm not going to go and pay like 50 quid for some DVDs of it because I just don't care that much. But I would like to watch it one day for sure. Uh, so as for John Krasinski himself, I mean, like, so yeah, you were mentioning Graham Norton. Him and Emily Blunt were on Graham Norton last Friday night and I watched it. I think last night I watched it. So I was catching up uh, like in prep for the podcast as well. I thought, oh, you know, just in case he has some funny stories or whatever. And he had he had that funny story. He was kind of... He was visiting Emily Blunt, who is she's 
like filming Mary Poppins here. So he came back to the UK and like customs were giving him a hard time and stuff. Like this guy was like, what? You're married to Emily Blunt. <laughs> like, you know, like, and he was like, yeah, I was also in the American office. And that guy was like, Ugh, that was rubbish. <laughs> All this kind of stuff. So, and, and that was the kind of prevailing opinion initially. Cause it was just like, like a, almost like a, a sort of high school Amdram version of like, you know, a word for word thing. But then obviously that was very harsh and then it developed into its own thing. Um, but my original, and then he also mentioned that he was on the shortlist for Captain America. So yes. yeah, I had no idea about any of that. So what, what was the deal with that? No, I mean, basically, I guess Chris, because there was a worry that Chris Evans was the one they wanted. Chris Evans wasn't certain about becoming Captain America. So I think they were trying to like hedge their bets, bets with him because if you if you ever watch them on the office like one of the one there, there was always this thing where if you watch them on the office people thought he was going to be the next big thing but it never panned out I guess because of the choices he made or whatever like that so he had to take the long way around I guess with this movie finally but um he tried it out he said he saw Chris Hemsworth walk by him and he was like well I can't fit in no shoes <laughs> he got like 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 backed off and then Chris Evans finally took the role and then it was history from there. But there is a thing now that he said that if if Mar if the, if the Disney Fox deal goes through and um, Marvel gets Fantastic Four back, he wouldn't mind playing the Fantastic Four with him and Emily Blunt. But we'll see what happens with that. Because the other thing was Emily Blunt was supposed to be um, Black Widow, and she turned it down, and then Carl Johansson took it. No. Yes. So, Fuck off. Yes, Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. You can look it up. I'm not lying. Shit. I had no idea about that. Well, this is revelation upon revelation. Um, okay, well, I, I mean, we should get back to a quiet place because we've managed to avoid it. Um, okay, so what did you think of this film? I love this movie. I'll say this. It's kind of like there's a there's a nice resurgence of this type of horror movie, but I but there's this thing where where sometimes these critics try to elevate. Like, it's, it's like this problem where it's like, you have your slasher fix, you have all that stuff like that's good, but this is like on that, like, it kind of like get out it's kind of like that it's kind of like a little bit more than just a slasher thing going on it's like well directed well acted stuff like that but i wouldn't but i have this problem with people when they call it like well it's above and beyond like there's always been movies like this it's just been there's more of a frequency of them recently like get out and stuff like that more like innovative kind of horror movies but this one was wasn't innovative as far as like um the plot but it was just like it was just like excellently directed like it was that's what i got from it. it was like he understood how to pace a movie right there and i felt like that movie was like maybe 90 minutes long and he got a lot out of that premise because if you, if you like walking into that movie you're thinking like okay like how is he going to sustain this thing right there but then he does the thing that a lot of these successful movies that are doing lately are doing it's like they make it about character and then let the let let the high concept dictate how the characters react to it rather than the other way around letting the high the concept take over the characters it's the character taking over it I mean, I just thought it was excellently directed. I was shocked by that. Because I know he directed a couple of other things before, and they were, like, okay to, like, average. But this one, I felt like he saw an ideal, he went for it. And the other part of it was just basically talking about how he as a dad was, like, thinking about being a dad. And kind of, like, if, when you watch the movie, when we get into it, it's like, it's like being a dad in a household, oh, my God. It's, like, pretty much, like, you, once you commit to that, you commit to that shit, pretty much, so... I thought it was great from that aspect. I was just like, just I thought it was one of the better directed things I've seen in a while when it came to horror, like next to Get Out and It and stuff like that. So yeah, 
you know, I still haven't seen it. The the new, uh, I I don't know, I, I don't know why. I just keep forgetting to watch it. Bizarrely enough, but um, I really need to see it. One of the things I I think really helped a quiet place is that it was short and succinct. Like I think running time was officially ninety minutes, but I mean that includes credits. So you're really talking about like eighty five minutes basically, and. And it really felt good. That was such a good length. I wish, you know, I don't think every film has to be like two hours long or even close to it, you know. And and this felt perfectly paced. I I really enjoyed it. The only thing is, is that maybe because I was sitting in a in a sort of cinema that where there was hardly anyone there, that it kind of gave me time to think and kind of think ahead of the plot, which I don't usually like doing in the cinema. I like just sort of staying in the mov- moment a bit more. But here I was kind of like, with about 15 minutes to go, I was like, okay, get there quicker. <laughs> Bizarrely enough, I was kind of like, I can I can see what's going to happen. It had been kind of fed what was clearly going to happen effectively. I was like, okay, just get there a bit more quickly or, or surprise me in some other way. And and also I kind of I started thinking, it, once you have that time to think, you're like, okay, there are plot holes here as well. And, and you know, I don't really care that much because this is just like an alien horror film, really, isn't it? So it's not like it's it's going to happen tomorrow or anything like that. And there's nothing to really think about too deeply. And and if anything, like the mood of it, like you were saying, and also the, the concept of everyone having to be quiet is what the most important thing is, aligned with the actual family and the familial relations yes. and, and everything. You know, so that's what really is the most important thing. You know, I, I can accept that there are a couple of plot holes. I can accept also the deaf girl. I kind of like, she she kept fucking up, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, I know it sounds really harsh to say, but she did. She really did. She fucked up like twice. And and then at least there was that kind of arc of redemption where she's the one at the end, because we are in spoilers. She's the one in end uh, at the end who, who kind of, you know, basically figures it out and saves the day. And, um, but, but then. Or, do, that, or does she, or does she save the day? Why, why would you say she doesn't? Or does she, considering the fact that, I mean, maybe she saved the moment, but then she saved the day. Considering the end of the movie. Yeah, I, I think she does. Because I think with, I mean, it's a bit late because her dad's dead by that point. Um, so she's got another familial death on her hands. But uh, not that, that she couldn't have done that much at that stage. But no, I mean, she she whacks that thing onto the microphone and then Emily Blunt cocks the, the rifle and a bang. And then I think that's it. I think they figured it out. They're like, okay. Um, which is weird because I'm like, well, why didn't the army figure this out? <laughs> like, your planet is being invaded and you know these these aliens are blind and they've got supersonic hearing. Why wouldn't you try and affect their hearing in some sort of <laughs> I'll, I'll say, I'll say, I've I'll read say a lot of reviews that say this as well. Like, like some of the, the, you know, whether it's within a positive review or the negative reviews, they're like, this doesn't make sense. And I'm like, yeah, I, I was sitting there watching that, thinking, nah. I'll on. also say this: you guys give too, human, humanity too much credit sometimes. <laughs> I'll say I don't that. know. Come on, <laughs> like, you're you're American I, military. Just... Listen, listen, listen. Your American we've, military we've... spends more on more, more on defense than like most of the world's combined you know it's just ridiculous and they wouldn't think but, okay, but i also say this i also say this like, have how many times how many times especially in the, in, the, in the last 15 years did we get information wrong at the same time you know what i'm trying to say at the same time too yeah uh, but i don't know that's information about humans i i, I mean i i get that but I, I guess the thing is is that we have such little context about what's actually happened to the exactly planet. And and I know that's deliberate so that it's supposed to set up like, you know, it, it kind of poses more questions than it gives you answers. And I get that. But then when in the idle moments of this film, of which there are many because it's a very quiet film, 
if your mind is kind of racing ahead a little bit, then you will be sitting there thinking, oh, come on. I mean, this, this, this deaf girl who's like, I don't know what fucking age she is, probably 14 or something. She's like, you know, after sort of like wanking around with this hearing aid, has <laughs> just managed to figure out there's a frequency that will kill these things. You know, like, why wouldn't the American military, I mean, would the military really have been wiped out? Also, if these, aliens are blind how did they find earth in the fucking first place for god's sake they would just be floating around the galaxy doing fuck knows what they wouldn't have supersonic hearing in space i mean I don't okay here's the thing maybe another alien species drops it off the white of the human race and then take over they learn from watching signs that human beings are are receptible so let's drop these guys off and we'll come back a couple years later and we'll do that like that's i think that's the kind of thing he's more concerned about it's like that's the whole entire point like you don't know what happened you don't know if they just dropped them off and they uh. wiped them all out and then these people are just the people that are left like his goal of the movie is pretty much like he said his opening into the movie was this because he wasn't a horror fan he said i read the script and he said my ideal was the point of view i came from this movie was being a dad and like that was and i and, and the, from the dad to being a family and then built from there and he's pretty much saying something like it was like the mother wanted to bring their lives back to normalcy and he was just a survivalist all the way through and it's kind of like trying to like kind of come back to those two things because remember in the situation where the son asked him like are you still mad at her and he's like no i'm not mad at her but on some level he's kind of dissing himself from her so clearly he was mad at her because he clearly took that thing away from okay so weird spoilers the the little the 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 the, 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 uh, the youngest son there's there's a there's a daughter there's the oldest daughter there's the middle-aged son and then there's the smallest son which is maybe like six or seven or something like that and the son had got a um an airplane and he put batteries in it and it made a sound but the dad stopped him before he turned it on. He took the batteries out and put it out there until him walk by. And then the daughter pretty much gave the kid the, the toy. He said, okay. And then um, pretty much the kid takes the batteries and they're walking back to their, their, their place. And then the kid has the batteries in there and he turns it on. And the dad runs to go save the kid. And it's too late by that point because it's like 13 or 14, 15 seconds to come by. So it's like the, the, the father's mad at the daughter for fucking up. And then the daughter's mad at the dad, but she's really mad at herself. But she has, she's trying to... Like, like a teenager, like instead of them taking accountability for what they need to do and what the choice they make, they get mad at other people for making the mistakes for them. So remember, because when, um, when Emily Blunt was telling um, John Krasinski when he was going for a walk, he was like, you want to take her with you? Because he's taking the son, like teach the son how to take care of the, um, the mom. And that's the whole entire thing. It was like, he doesn't even trust the daughter enough to take care of the, the mother, pretty much. And he's like putting it all on the son because he's so angry and he's so frustrated that he lost a kid. He loves his daughter, but at the same time, he's like, I had everything set up, and now you fucked it up for me. And I think that's the stuff he was more concerned about than any of the alien stuff. Like, that stuff was, like, completely secondary to him. It's like, okay, here's a situation that they just got to survive these creatures. And this is the stuff I'm worried about. Like, if I was a dad, and I went through this stuff, and it seemed like he was, t- he was talking about, like, how when he read the script, he was like, and when he, and he and like, it was a script already sent to him, and he rewrote it in some ways to make it more towards, like, that kind of situation. He was like, that's the end that I found. All the other alien stuff is like irrelevant to me to most part. It's like I just want to put the situation in it's the most desperate situation you possibly do and see how this family reacts to it and let's go and go from there. Which I think was the right thing to do because this this film has actually kind of lit some sort of public consciousness. People are really enjoying it. It's getting great reviews. It's getting great audience reviews. And it's doing well. I mean, it, it's really shifting like tickets. So it, it's already kind of like, what, above 80 million box office and it only costs 17 million. Um, and I think he was right to focus on that for that familial aspect. It makes sense because that's where the heart is, really. You, that's where you can. I mean, I'm a father. You know, I was sitting there thinking, "Shit, what would I do in this situation?" What you know, and and that's what a lot of people would be like. You know, um, I mean, if I can address the other kind of the other area of criticism that it's received is um, 
which I don't think is as relevant, if I'm honest. Like, I'll say that right now, but I, I'll air it just to air it. Is that some people are like, well, okay, we get that they lost a child and we get that human drive to want to replace that child with another one. Yeah. But in this situation, you know, you know that a baby is obviously going to cry and is going to attract a whole heap of trouble, you know, whether through labor or the baby itself. And okay, they've kind of, you know, converted the basement and, attempted to soundproof it as much as possible so fine but you know would you not sort of think ahead a little bit and think well okay you know we shouldn't do this just yet (laughs) you know which i mean what do you think about that it goes back to what he was saying he was talking about what that it's like at some point she wanted to go back to normalcy it's like at some i always i always think that sometimes when i when audiences say stuff like that i was like if you sit there it's only a matter of time before you want that normalcy i mean survival is great but at some but at some point you're going to desire that normalcy, and that's when you start. That's where the fuck. That's where that's where human beings are fucking up again. Because like, okay, if, if we were completely logical, like like governments and civilization is great, but if we we're completely logical, half the shit that we do to each other wouldn't even happen. We're not as logical as we say we are. And I mean, and and I, I that's my personal philosophy on human conditions. Like, logic only takes humans to a certain point, and then we start fucking up. That's that's my observation about humanity. So looking at the mom right there, and you lose a, a kid, and I can only go from my experience of. I don't want to be too too personal, but a family member lost, my family member of mine lost their daughter, and his whole worldview shifted, and there's certain things that he do, if you watch him, that it goes beyond logic, there's certain things that he holds on to, and certain things he can't let go on, it's like, it's, it's it, losing a child, like, I, I, I'm not a father, but I can't even imagine that, and I was talking to my, it's interesting, because I was talking to my grandmother about this, and she was almost saying, it's like, like when people lose, when people lose people, like, she was making an example, like, I lost my mom, and she lost a daughter, my grandma. And she was like, the way you lost your mom is totally different different feeling than the way I lost my daughter. Like, we both lost the same person, but we totally act out in different ways. And we act out in different ways. So it's a situation where it's like, how could you, like, how could it, you would probably relate to it a little bit more than I do. But even still, it's like, you you have kids that you can, you can, you can relate to him more than I can. But I, but me as a, as a person who sits back and tries to be like, like, compassionate i'm looking at it from her point of view and that's there's like a hole in her and like that's their new normal like that whole world with those aliens are the new normal and at some point and especially if you lost a, a kid for that reason or something like that and it's, you can't get mad at the daughter too much and you can't get mad at that and he's the guy to try to make everything run like clockwork she's gonna i'm looking at her point of view and she wants that normalcy back and he's kind of like the dad it's kind of like the sacrifice he makes at the end where he where he sacrifices up to save the kids he's like okay and I, and I can I, I can see a situation where it's like she wants another kid, and he's like, you know what, I don't want this. I don't. I, I, we don't need another kid. And I go. I can see him. And like I see I, when I observe married couples, and I see the guy, and, and like especially traditional couples. I mean, not the ones that are like 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 the guys like stay behind me, but traditional. But the the wife walks beside them. The guy is going to give in to what the what the wife wants to a certain extent at that point. And I can see a situation where it's like. She's angry. Like, you should have done a better job. And look at that. Remember how she put it all on him at the end? He's like, you bring my kids back. You bring them back. Like, it's on you. And, like, that's the pressure that a father has to do. And I can only imagine the same thing of her saying, well, I want another kid now. Now we lost that one. And he doesn't want to do that. He's a survivalist guy. He's like, you know what? This is not a good idea, but she fucking wants it, so let me just do this. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, that's the way at least I see it. Because she put it all on him to get the kids back. And I know that if he came back without those kids... He'd have been fucked. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you just said, which is why I don't agree with the initial criticism of, of you know, 
there is such a strong evolutionary desire and drive within us to have children not everyone has it but if you if you've already had children i mean like not to get too personal but literally my wife yesterday i've got two kids yeah well like we've got two kids and uh, my <laughs> i hope she didn't listen to this my wife was like do you know what? i really want a third kid and and i've like repeatedly over the last year said no 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 i'm done i'm done like i'm happy with two kids so so that's why watching this film again was kind of like that po- the specific point you know i was like shit you know i i hope obviously i pray to god we're never in any kind of situation like that but even just us like motoring along yeah she still wants another kid and i'm like no i'm i'm done man <laughs> you know? and um and so so on that note, I could relate to it. But then if something happened, and God forbid if something happened, and she'd be like, no, I want another kid, then I'd be like, okay. <laughs> there's only so much, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, it, there's only so much logic you can you can put towards the situation before emotion will take hold of it. And in exactly. this, this is obviously a heightened state of emotion in this film because you've got this fucking aliens trying to kill you and then you've got to be quiet all the time and stuff. So, so actually, you know, humans are quite like converse like that. They were just sort of, act out in the opposite of what they should be. You know, we don't make sense. We do these things, you know, just because there is this drive within us. So not everything is explicable, um, which is why I think that criticism of that is, is not valid, to be honest, or or I don't agree with it anyway. Um, and, and I think what you're saying about the, the plot holes that I was alluding to before, I think that's a fair enough point. You know, if that's the direction that he's gone in, that he wants to focus on the family as opposed to just sort of, you know random plot holes about aliens then i can understand that and i can completely get it i still massively enjoyed the film it was just it dropped off dropped off a little bit at the end for me for for various reasons but i still think it was that first hour in particular i i mean it's weird because i don't know why but i looked at my watch when it started getting scary which was around like the 40 to 45 minute mark because I'm I'm actually quite a big scaredy cat when it comes to horror films. It depends what kind of horror film it is, but this I'm quite a big scaredy cat. I have, to, and this scared the bejesus out of me at certain points. I was like, honestly, I was actually looking through my hands. Like I had to put my hands on my face at, at a couple of points, and I was just sort of looking through my fingers. Um, you know, rationally, I'm like, okay, don't worry. And then, like emotionally, I was like, fucking hell, fucking hell. <laughs> it's just, and there's only a few films that have done to me, done that to me in my life, really. Like, I mean. Not that many, to be honest, mainly because I avoid them. But this this one, um, I kind of thought, I was like, I think I'm just going to enjoy this, you know. Um, what what were the other kind of notable aspects in terms of cast performance? How do you think Emily Blunt and John Krasinski did? We'll get to the kids later. I'll say this, like, Emily Blunt is like a person I like, but I, like, I'm never like, not, I don't say not impressed, but she's, she's, she's good. So she did her good thing. The big thing, at least on the American side, is John Krasinski, because everybody knows him as, if you, if you, especially if you do know him watch The Office, like Jim Halper is such a character. Like he's been, I think part of the reason why he's been so successful in the spotlight is Pete, he's so likable as Jim Halper that people confuse him sometimes with Jim Halper and just like him. Like, if you watch him interview stuff like that, like, you think Jim Halpert. And if you watch the show, then you would know what I'm talking about. But since you don't, it's, it's kind of hard for me to explain that. But Jim Halpert is, like, that dude, like, whatever. So this one is, like, he he finally shed the Jim Halpert thing. When I watched this movie, it, I didn't see Jim Halpert in there. Because Jim Halpert is, like, the like the, the slick, sophisticated. That's not, not sophisticated, but he's, like, the guy that has a snappy comeback for everything. Like, he's a prankster. He's, like, that that guy. But he's not annoying at the same time. But this guy was, like, just, like, a regular dude. And he wasn't, like, Jim. He didn't have a, a, a snappy comeback for every moment. He didn't have a prank for every moment. He wasn't that guy. So he was the more impressive of the two. Like, to me, Emily Blunt was Emily Blunt. 
But like for me, him, he was the like the standout because I when I watched it, Jim Halpert was out the door. And especially like the thing with the like I said, the thing that scared me in this movie was the thing that scared me, it was a good kind of scare, but the aliens didn't scare me. But when he screamed, when his kids were in the truck and he screamed for the monster to come to get him, daddy, being a daddy's scary. Because you have, to, if you're, if, if you're a real daddy and you make that commitment, that's scary. Your life is for your wife and kids. And you have to be willing to sacrifice yourself to make sure they're safe. That's scary. And I know I, we, we, we could talk as men and we, like, we're not scared of shit and something like that. But you, you have to know that he sacrificed himself for the kid, but he was scared of shit because he was going to die. That's scary. That scared me more than anything. In that. That's the thing that got me the most. That's how scary it is to be the father figure in a household that regardless of like equality and stuff like that, like at the end of the day, if we're all going to keep it real, the family's going to ask you to step up to the plate when stuff gets down. And if you can't protect your family, then you're going to be looked down. At my, how many, you know how many times I've read or watched on, on Twitter or in life people talk about it where if, if a guy gets their ass beat in front of their girl, the girl's going to start looking in front of the dude. Like it's like the girl doesn't want to be around with a guy that can't protect them. Like that's some scary shit. But I don't, I don't think all women are like that. But I hear a lot of women say something like that. Well, if he can't protect me, then what is he good for, or something like that? And I'm not, and I'm not saying like they, they, they consciously do that. But I think on some subconscious level, if you're, you as a father can't protect your your wife or your kids, then on, on some level in the back of their heads, they're gonna look at you a different way, and that's scary. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I sort of quickly jump in on Emily and John and their performances, I thought Emily Blunt was really good in this, actually. I, I really like her as an actress. Um, I mean, I was kind of looking through her filmography. There's not actually that much classic stuff that she's done, but that there's just like every now and then, you like every couple of years, you get this really notable performance from her. Like there was Devil Wears Prada. I mean, she stole the show in that for me. There was Sicario. She was really good in that. I think in this, she was great. And... Um, I mean, she's going to be Mary, the new Mary Poppins, um, which I think she'll be perfect for. Um, John Krasinski, I mean, like, I get what you're saying, like in terms of I haven't watched The American Office, but obviously I've watched The British Office and it was Martin Freeman who was that role. So Martin Freeman has since become like this huge star, really. I mean, he's just in everything. You know, he's in Sherlock, he's in the Marvel films, he's in this, he's in that. He, he's he's and what lord of the rings as well like the hobbit and stuff you know he's he's like a leading man now basically and it's based off that was his introduction you know he was he was that guy in the office um like the the corresponding character to who john john krasinski has been playing so um i can imagine that like that it would have been a launch pad for him uh or they would have thought it would be a launch pad in the way that martin freeman has leveraged it and i've got to mention love actually as well he was in love actually um He's leveraged it amazingly. So, for me, I mean, I was I was just sitting there watching. Th- I, I favoured Emily's performance over John Krasinski easily in this. I thought she kind of had a lot more meat to get into because she was pregnant and labour and all that kind of stuff. Um, his was probably one of restraint and nuance uh, because, like, you know, he's suppressing emotions, especially when it comes to his deaf daughter. Um, so. I I think, but as a team, I think they did well. I think, you know, he was talking on the Graham Norton show about how weird it was seeing Emily Blunt actually act because he'd never seen her on set before in in an actual film. And he said, you know, he was just amazed. He was like, she's really good. (laughs) Just like, obviously, like, you know, you don't know that. It's like, I've never seen my wife at work before to come to think of it. Like, you know, I speak to her every day when she's at work, but I've never seen her in actual action doing what she does. And I can just imagine she's really good at a job. And and like, if I went in, I'd be like, shit, she's really good, man. Like, I can imagine that kind of thing. So that that was kind of cute when he said that. Um, And I think they came across well. I think he directed it as well. 
um, I think he, could, he did a good job. Like you mentioned before, I think he did a really good job. There's very little that I thought he didn't do well. Um, but, you know, that end scene for him when, when he kind of sacrifices himself, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the way that it happened, but in terms of the emotional reaction of what you're saying, I can totally get that. Um, how about the kids? Um, I thought they were pretty good. Like my focus is pretty much on the, the mom and dad, but like I said, there's been a there's been a there's been a litany of a great kid actors lately, especially with the It Squad and Stranger Things and stuff like that. So I'm being more accustomed. I think my thing with kid actors is if they don't bring attention to the fact that they're kid actors and just be kids, which is a hard thing to pull off for kid actors, then they did their job well. Especially with the situation, like I didn't I didn't sense a false note between either one of them. I think that the girl act like. The high school kids or or the middle school kids that I see, they they're they're super emotional and you don't react. To, they're not logical most of the time. Those fourteen year olds or thirteen year olds. So she pulled that off well. I can see her as one of those kids where like you try to be nice to them and they just flip off on you like what where that anger come from that kind of thing. And then the other kid was just like scared shitless at the time and he and he pulled it off. Like I bought his his fear kind of thing. Like they reacted in different ways. The one was more standoffish. And the other one came, and then at and then near the end of the movie, they kind of met each other. They kind of both kind of connected more near the end because they were so different from each other after their younger brother died, and they kind of like connected at the end in a sense. So I think I thought they get I thought they did a solid job. Yeah, I think they did a good job as well. I mean, the the most notable one, like the the youngest kid, you know, he dies like after like three minutes or whatever the hell it is. So he obviously he doesn't get much of a chance. Um, the brother, I, I think. You know, he was kind of in that, like you're talking that Stranger Things kind of mold where, um, as one of the secondary characters, he, I don't think he had a massive amount to do. Like he had a decent amount, but he didn't draw attention to himself. The one really is Millicent Simmons as Reagan, uh, as the, the daughter. So in the film, she's deaf and in real life, she is actually, um, she is deaf as well. I think they said, look, you know, we, uh, I think one of their daughters is deaf. Uh, am I, getting that right or one of one of the children in real life no i think he was just i think he was just very adamant about okay. getting a, a deaf actor in there okay fine fine um there, there was something i read about something so yeah i must have got that i got my wires crossed but i think she did a really good job um i didn't like the actual character like uh, in terms of the way that it was developed i think it was really challenging for some reason i don't know why it just didn't quite take with me as much but she did a great job and and it, and it kind of it really made sense within the narrative that she was deaf as well because it kind of gave them it gave them both a gift and a curse because they could communicate with each other really brilliantly but then you know she like i said she fucked up a couple of times you know without realizing it and and uh like you know I don't know if that makes me sound really. Does that make me sound really harsh saying that? But it's just me watching the film, like on on an actual kind of, you know, like a sort of like cynical level. I don't know. Am am I being harsh? No, my experience. I don't know how you experience teenagers, but that's how they are. That's pretty much how they are. They're they're just weird like that. Sometimes they don't make no damn sense. Like you're talking to them, and like you're saying words to them, and they're literally not registering shit. So it's not like to me. She seemed like the the teenagers I deal with all the time. So, I mean, that didn't shock me at all. Sorry, just to clarify, you were talking about teenagers. Teenagers for me is like... Teenagers yeah, not deaf like, people. You are talking about teenagers. Yeah, teenagers. Yeah. Okay, because I, I, I couldn't... Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, teenagers. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've been one before, so yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I think she did a good job, definitely. Um, I mean, she really infused a lot of emotion into it as well. Uh, definitely a good job. And, and like in terms of other cast members, there's no one else except CGI aliens, right? So uh, and oh, there, there was that random old dude who found his daughter, his wife dead and stuff. But that was basically it. 
Um, Michael Bay was one of the producers as well, and he's been talking a lot about this, uh, bigging it up. So I think he's very happy with how it's doing. I don't think there's too much else to say except maybe about the the sound and the music or, or the lack of sound. But a lot, there was quite a lot of music within it, wasn't there? Yes. Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting that to be honest. Um, but but I think it was handled very well. So so that was that was done brilliantly. And the actual alien sounds and and the clicking and the, I mean that was brilliant. I just it really freaked me out. That I think for me because I'm such an oral person, like a u r a l person, and and like so much of my world is through sound and so this is why it really got to me that's why it really made me jump because i was like that's what i fucking hate I, it's it's the sound aspect of it because because <laughs> I, I because of because uh, I've, I've been a professional dj like the, the my hearing's a bit affected actually um in ambient noise like if we're in a restaurant or something i frequently i just don't know what people are saying it's really bad if if we're in a bar or something i'll constantly have to say what what or just after a while just start pretending like like i have lost a bit of hearing in my right ear um but bizarrely enough like if we're in a quiet situation i have supersonic hearing i can literally hear like anything in the whole fucking house so it, it's it's that, that real dichotomy for me so in this film like i can hear everything especially in this quiet movie that and it's freaking me out like completely so that that for me was like half the half the actual freakdom of it basically so um i, I think it, i think it's good like aliens they were just aliens like i mean like it was kind of a mix of the film Alien and like a demigorgon from Stranger Things and they were blind and they had great hearing. So like it, it wasn't, it wasn't kind of that much of a, a talking point for me, frankly. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, that's pretty much all I need to say. Yeah. Same here. I think that was, uh, that was good. But what would you score out of 10? Um, I'd give it an eight out of 10. Yeah. I think I'd give it, I'd give it a seven and a half or an eight, depending on, on how scared I'm feeling at that point in time. Okay. Um, well, don't forget to catch us on Facebook at Transatlantic Rebels Podcast and uh, on Twitter at T underscore Rebels. We're trying to sort out the Twitter. We've got a bit of a Twitter situation. I going lost on. my password. I can't find it, and I and I lost a password to the um the Gmail account that is linked to. And I tried to I tried to go on there and I put it. I thought it was linked to my my regular Gmail account. So I logged in there like that, and it was like this is not connected. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, that's one of the the the, the accounts I connected it to. And I'm trying to find the paper, and it's weird because I have this whole book right in front of me. Every password I ever had for like for like my life is in this book, but I can't find the passwords to this. And I swore to God that I wrote them in here. So now I'm pissed off, and I'm about to kick my computer in. So I don't know. So, so just just my last little bit of advice to any listener, and now to Rashad, is uh, about a year ago, about twelve months, yeah, about twelve fourteen months ago, I um I started using a password manager. You get various ones out there, like really big, highly rated ones. And using a password manager has been the best thing. There's kind of like two weeks of hassle when you have to go through everything and change the passwords to from like your stupid obvious ones to something that's actually difficult to crack. But once you you just have like a master password and then the rest of it is all taken care of within that. And and it's for these kind of situations, because my mind is like a sieve. I can't remember a fucking thing. For this kind of thing, it's perfect. So um yeah, like in fact, I've just got my wife started on it last month. So she she's she's finally like she's been bugging me for a year. Look, show me how this works. Show me how it works. And, and yeah, you should definitely do it. It's really not a lot of money. Like it's like a dollar a month or something crazy like that. And I think you even get free ones as well. But just do it honestly. Um, 
from from a cybersecurity perspective as well, you'd be shocked like how easy it is to hack passwords. So if you have this, it's a very good additional layer. Okay, well, uh, we've talked about a lot of random things, but um, yeah, A Quiet Place, I would definitely recommend checking it out. And um, I think I'd probably check it out. Would you check it out in the cinema or would you wait for it for to be able to watch it at home? I think it depends I mean, on the kind of person both, you want, right? I would say this, to me, I'm always the movie first in a movie theater. But I mean, you can get it at home. If you got a good sound system and a good screen, then you can do that too. Yeah. I would just say, I would just watch it in the dark when, when nobody's around, or at least when people who are going to shut their mouths when they watch a movie. I would do that. Just yeah, and, and, and don't, don't, no popcorn it. or wrappers on sweets, basically. Nothing like that. I think I think anyone who does that is a bit suicidal, frankly. All right, then. Well, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.